Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> okay, I'm outed. I'm outed. <laughs> yes, yes, I was born on a Sunday, May 1st, 1960. Um, so this is a good day to be here, and it's really good to see your beautiful faces in the May sunshine. Take just a moment, just look around for a minute, catch somebody's eye. Um, say hello, say good morning, pass the peace. Just be here together. The scripture for today is James 3, 17 to 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So is anybody here not aware that this is a presidential election year? <laughs> okay, so I see nobody's visiting from Mars today. <laughs> Is anyone ready yet for this election to be over? <laughs> yeah. Well, today I'm not going to talk about politics, <laughs> except in contrast to how we as Quakers engage in the work of discernment. There is quite a contrast, in fact. We call this work Quaker process or Quaker discernment. And it has evolved over several centuries, since the mid-1600s, since the first Quakers began practicing this radical way for diverse groups of people to come to unity over difficult issues. This Quaker process of discernment is incredibly countercultural to our political process of majority rule. I'm not here wanting to harshly criticize our democratic process. It's a great improvement over most ways that people over the span of human history have found for large people, large numbers of people to make decisions. Yet it bothers me, and it's bothered me for a long time, that almost always the majority that wins an election seems to think that the views of the minority can just be ignored. We talk about landslide elections, and our political process, I think more and more, has been splitting us apart into opposing groups and factions that are at great odds with one another, almost unable to even speak to one another. 
This is unhealthy and unsustainable if our goal is to create an equitable, thriving life for all. I found some facts pretty surprising. Out of 57 presidential elections over the 240 years of our history, no candidate has ever won the popular vote by more than 61%. Does anybody know who that was that won by 61%? It was LBJ. FDR was really close, 60-something. LBJ in 1964, Lyndon Johnson won by 61% of the popular vote. Even more telling is that the average voter turnout over the last 10 elections, 40 years, is around 53% of eligible voters, not even counting those who aren't eligible, but of eligible voters, 53% turnout, and of those, 61% is the top percentage of those who vote for the winning candidate. That means that, let's say we had 100 people in here, which is a pretty average Sunday. Out of 100 or so people sitting in this room, in an average election, 47 of us wouldn't even feel like our vote counted enough to show up. I won't make you raise your hands if you feel that way. (laughs) Of those remaining, 21 would vote for the losing candidate. So only 32 of us in this room, if there were 100 of us, only 32 would get to decide what's right for everyone else. That might be, you know, the first few rows here. So really, is that a landslide victory? If out of 100 people, only 32 win and get to decide. Well, the Quaker process of discernment goes very differently. Our goal in discerning is completely different. When we face a question about what we should do in our life together, especially a difficult one, we don't ask, what does the largest number of us think we should do? What we really want to discover together instead is, what does God want us to do? Is it even possible to find an answer to that question? If you're skeptical, you aren't alone. Look around. We are quite a diverse group of people. We walked in the door for many different reasons. We've stayed for many different reasons. We need different things from our community here. We have different visions for how to use our collective time and energies. And our fears, our self-doubts, our hidden griefs are as varied as our past histories and the longings of our hearts. Each of us wants to be heard. Each of us wants to belong. Each of us wants to contribute to the common good. And even on our best days, the idea that God could actually let us know with any kind of clarity what to do, 
that God could let this messy, struggling group of people know what God wants can feel like a daunting task. So is it possible for us to discern God's will? A scripture verse that I thought of is Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Now, I wanted to dig a little deeper. I found out that in this context, the Greek word that we translate as perfect, which is a daunting word, is the word teleos. And it actually means complete or mature or developed into a consummating completion by fulfilling the necessary process. In other words, it's a perfection that is in process until it becomes mature. So if we're willing to let God renew our minds or show us something new, then we are able to go through the necessary process that leads us to a complete and mature understanding of what God wants to do among us. Paul, in this scripture, is saying, do this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mind here means our understanding or our comprehension. And to be renewed means to be changed or amended. So to discern what God wants for us, you and I must be willing to let God change our minds. Maybe we hope we won't have to change them very much. And actually, maybe we do already have a sense, a a pretty good sense of God's leading. I think what's important is not how much our minds might need to be changed, but whether we can rest in a place of being willing to let God change our minds. Quakers believe that God both can and will give us new understanding if we ask for it, if we seek it, if we wait as long as it takes to hear the voice of God. Before we enter into discernment together, each of us has to ask, am I really willing to do this? Am I willing to set aside all of my own ideas and assumptions for the moment and focus on listening to God? Do I believe God might have something new to say to me, might have something to say through someone else who's getting a piece of the light that I don't have right now? Am I really willing for God to have the last word, not for me to have the last word? And if I'm honest and I'm not willing, am I willing for God to make me willing? A block to my own willingness sometimes can be whether or not I trust those I disagree with. This can be really thorny. One of the hardest things with a family member or a close friend or a spouse is what to do when big differences show up. When one of us strongly feels one way and the other one strongly feels differently. 
if the relationship really isn't worth salvaging, then sometimes we just walk away from each other forever. That happens. There are irreconcilable differences. But if the relationship is important, we don't want to just walk away. We instead roll up our sleeves and find a way through the conflict to resolution that both of us can live with. We just do that hard work. But oh, it isn't always easy. It would be so much easier if some one person or people were in charge and had the job of telling us what we should do. The early Quakers came out of a setting, the Church of England, in which a hierarchy of clergy and bishops sent down proclamations from above of what God was saying to do or what they were saying to do. Actually, sometimes that sounds pretty good. Please, won't somebody just step in and take charge? We cry. But that somebody is us. It's not just the people sitting next to you. It's each one of us. It's you. It's me. Whether you've been here for a quarter of a century or whether you just walked in the door, our conviction is that every person can access God's wisdom and we need every person to listen and share what they perceive. That's the only way we can really come to a full, complete, mature sense of what God wants us to do. To truly get to that place of unity, two things are necessary. Each person has to be willing to honestly share their own experience and truth. And each person has to be willing to listen to everyone else with as much openness and generosity of spirit as we can. If either of us isn't willing to both speak and listen, our hearts will never really be clear it's especially hard to be gut-level honest with someone else if we don't really trust them to listen to us with openness and generosity. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. Sometimes it's harder to be the one who's listening than the one who's speaking. But we have to be willing to both speak and to listen if our goal is to stay in relationship with one another and to find out what God's will is for us. We are fallible, messy people. Our capacity is limited. So our process will be fallible and messy, and our capacity to do it will be limited. But I think we have to intend and long for and be willing to persist until we come to a place of unity that we can't get to on our own. But we can get there if we ask God to lead us and do it. As Quakers, after we listen to one another and listen for God's leading, we try to find the sense of the meeting, that Quaker phrase that means the clearest expression of what we all have discerned together. Sometimes some of us might choose to stand aside 
and allow the meeting to go forward in a different direction that feels right to them. Some might even decide that they can no longer be with us. It's very hard when that happens. But friends, there's a vast, vast difference between someone walking away after they've spoken honestly and been fully listened to and someone walking away because they think their voice isn't important or they don't feel safe to speak about their convictions. I'll say this again. We need to be unwilling for anyone to walk away believing that their voice and participation is unwanted. So we're in this together. Here's the really, really good news. We don't have to do this tender and difficult work on our own. God is the one who transforms us. God is the one who renews our understanding. God is the one who sows the seeds of peace among us. No matter how great our diversity or our struggles to understand one another. God can transform and heal our most intimate personal relationships. And God can transform and heal our relationships in community. I will say it again and I will stake my life on it. God will transform and heal our deepest divisions if we ask and listen and are willing for God's spirit to change us. The power of the Holy Spirit to bring us to unity is astonishing. That power is the power of God's love. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my followers if you love one another. We are here together in this community not because we're all alike. We aren't. Not because we want the same things. We don't always. Not because we believe the same things or experience God in the same way. Not because we even like each other all the time. Not one of us is here by chance. God has brought us together to be transformed by love. Into what? Well, that's what we're here to find out. To find out what God is up to right here and right now. In some way, in some big or small moment in your life, perhaps you have caught a glimmer of something deep and joyful, and gentle, and challenging, and immensely powerful that flashes at the corner of your eye. You want it to come closer, to reveal its name. Could it be love? Is it the love you've been seeking all your days? 
Will it embrace you, heal you, quiet your fears, ease your sorrows? Are you willing to listen with faith and patience to hear the still small voice of love? Is there anything blocking you from letting love in? Is there anything blocking me from letting love in? Are we curious about what God is up to? My friends, do we trust God to bring this community into unity through love?